Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter number 6, verses 1 and 2. And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and for the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. In other words, how do we get rid of this? We've got it, and we've decided that we don't want it. Verse 7, now therefore make a new cart and take two milch kind. That's two cows that are nursing calves. On which there hath come no yoke. And tie the kind to the cart and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it up on the cart. And put the jewels of gold which ye return him for a trespass offering and a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go and see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh then he hath done us this great evil but if not then shall we shall know that it is not his hand that has smote us it was a chance that happened to us. In other words, we'll be able to divine from this, decide whether or not uh, God is judging us or it was just happenstance. And the men did so and took two milch kine and tried them, or tied them rather, to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emirates. And the kind took the straight way to the way of Beth, Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. And they at Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. I want to read verse 12 again. And the kind, or the cattle, took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh. And went along the highway lowing. I want you to notice this phrase. Lowing as they went. And turned not aside to the right hand or to the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them into the border of Beth Shemesh. I want to preach for the next few moments upon this subject, lowing as they went. Lowing as they went. We want the Lord to help us. We need the Spirit of the Lord to direct us and lead us in this service. Would you pray for his anointing with me right now let's pray that God would touch and minister and do his work how many wants his work to be done how many is hungry for his will in this place 
Would you lift up your voice with me and let's pray to God right now that He would help us. Jesus, we desire You. We pray, God, and seek after You. We desire Your presence. We pray, God, for Your mighty hand of anointing to be upon the remainder of this service. I'm praying, God, that You would bless each and every life, each and every heart that is here. In Jesus' name we pray. And could the church say amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It really is truly astounding what the human body can endure. And I know that many of you are familiar with endurance and endurance athletes and some of the feats that they have accomplished. It was considered not many years ago almost an impossible feat for a runner to complete a marathon. Their marathon got its name from the Greeks because there was a city in Marathon, or a city in Greece called Marathon, and a messenger ran from that city to Athens to report and to give the message that the Greeks had won in a military skirmish. And that was around or approximately 26 miles. And so uh, the marathon is 26.2 miles. However, in recent years, we've been introduced to what is called the Ultra Marathon, which is in excess of 50, 100, and now even recently 200 mile races. And one of the most challenging ultra marathon races, and I read a little bit about this, is the Western States um, race, a hundred mile race that is ran in Northern California during the summertime. And it represents one of the most grueling courses of the sport. It has 18,000 feet that it climbs. The course runs through canyons and rivers. And there's all kinds of different extremes with this. When you get in high altitude, of course, it's very cold. And when you go down to the depths of the valleys of those canyons, it is excruciatingly hot. And uh, there is also wildlife to contend with, bears and mountain lions. And the temperatures can get over 100 degrees. In 2006, Brian Morrison entered to this race, and he had trained very hard prior to entering. And he ran very valiantly. And matter of fact, during the midst of the race, they thought that he was going to break all of the previous records because he was running well ahead of the pack, the leaders of the race. He was well ahead of them. And uh, he was running along at a pace that it just appeared like that this was going to set a new record. But in the last 300 meters of the race, because of his extreme weariness, because of the heat, exhaustion, and uh, his body had just about taken all that it could have taken. He began to falter. He was well ahead of everybody else, several minutes, in fact, ahead of everybody else. And it was felt if he needed to stop for a little while, he could do so. But he collapsed. And he was just on the home stretch, getting ready to win this race and to break the records that had been set before him and set a new record. 
And his assistants came out and they helped him to his feet. Unbeknownst to them, there was a rule in this race that a runner must complete the race under his or her own power. So Brian was disqualified. And later, even though he came so close to setting a new record, later he was to come back and, and race again and complete the race and qualify and, and be able to receive a medal that he had completed the race. But he was pushed to his limits, and he began to describe some of this and the things that I read. He began to describe how he felt, and he knew he could even see the finish line, but he didn't know if it was even possible for him to get there. He knew that he couldn't go anymore on his feet, and when he fell to the ground, he didn't even have the strength to crawl across the line. I know that many of you know what it is to be pushed to your limits, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual struggle and test in your life. Most of us are acquainted with being pushed to what we feel is our very limits. I know that this story in our text is a very unusual story. It's not one that we're very familiar with. But if you read 1 Samuel chapter number 4 and chapter number 5, it tells us the sad account of how the arrogant Israelites, who had had the blessings of the Lord upon them, had been used and and uh, granted by God such blessing and an anointing for victory after victory that they became prideful and they felt as though that they, because of being Israelites in name, they were just entitled to victory without consecration. That they would always conquer no matter what their commitment level was. Eli, a man that had began his ministry and served Israel well and and it did the duties of the temple as a high priest, had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who did not resemble him at all, who did not have the same desire for the things of God that he possessed. And as a result of their sins and their attitude towards the sacred things of God, the Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the very presence of God, was taken away from the camp of Israel. And the Philistines who stole this ark away from them took it and placed it in the temple of their own idol god Dagon. And overnight while the ark of the covenant sat in this place, they even realized that there was something significant about this ark. That while Israel had it in, in, the, in their possession, there was supernatural power. There was victory extraordinaire. They had never seen anything quite like this. And so they realized this symbolized something. They wasn't sure what it was. They did not know Jehovah God. They didn't understand all the practices and rituals and worship that Israel gave to their God. But they knew this Ark of the Covenant would be a trophy for them and how much it meant to the Israelites. So they placed it in this same place, I suppose in the most sacred place, and that was their idol god, Dagon's temple. And overnight, Dagon fell from his place onto the ground before the ark of the Lord, symbolizing that no god, 
No God rises above Jehovah God, the living God. No God can compare to Jehovah God. Do I have a witness in this room here this morning? You know what it is to serve a living God. Aren't you thankful that the God that we serve can be felt? The God that we serve can be experienced. The God that we worship here this morning reciprocates by giving back to us and blessing us. And we're here today and we can feel Him because He is alive. We have His Spirit on the inside of us through the power of the Holy Ghost. And so when this happened, they simply put, feeling like maybe it was just an accident or coincidental, they put it back in its place. And then the next morning, to their dismay, they found that Dagon had not only fallen again, but this at this point, its hands had been broken off of it. And only the torso or the stump, the Bible says, of this idol remained. And this is when they begin to realize something is wrong. Maybe we have done something that has caused judgment to come upon us. And the curses of their God to come upon us. But they were not certain. And if this was not bad enough, that their God that they worshipped and put so much trust in had fallen before Israel's God, then strange diseases begin to break out among the Philistines. Now in Bible times, and especially the Old Testament, we know that Often diseases and plagues and things of this nature were due to judgments from God. And they had enough awareness. They had enough uh, spiritual cognition to realize, hey, there's something that is going on here. And they were not certain as to how that they would return the ark, but they understood that we've got a hold of something that is bigger than us. And it's something that we need to get rid of and we need to return. We're not certain as to how we're going to return it. We don't know how we're going to get it back into the hands of the Israelites. But we know that this is not the right place for it. And it's bringing harm and it's bringing judgment upon us. Now I see so many parallels here and I have to be careful that I don't just chase rabbit tails or rabbit trails all day I don't know what rabbit tails would be but that would be interesting rabbit trails all afternoon but you, you see the parallels here you understand that there's many times in life that we have a desire for a certain thing we pursue and we even crave certain things in our lives and we long for them not because we're certain that they're going to be good for us. Not because we are certain that there's something that God would permit in our life or the blessings of the Lord would come as a result of this. But there's things in this life that we sometimes pursue after that once we get them, once we have them in our possession, we realize this is not blessing me, but this is bringing a curse upon me. This is not something that is good for me, but this is actually something that is bringing harm to me. A lot of times we desire things of the world, carnality and sin, 
and things of this life that bring curses upon us. And perhaps we're not even talking about sin. Maybe it's some type of weight or something that is simply not good for us as we run this race that is going to be an encumberment to us, a weight to us, a burden to us that would be an impediment to our relationship with God and our progress in serving Him. And it's important for us to realize, amen, that this, this, while I thought it would be good for me, it's not only not good for me, but it is also bad in a, in a terrible curse that I have brought into my life. Because you realize anything that has a potential to bless, this was a blessing for the people of God. This was a blessing to Israel to have in their possession the Ark of the Covenant. But it was a curse for people that didn't recognize it for what it was. It was a curse to people that didn't handle it right. I'm going to just tell you something that God and His blessings, anything that He would give to you that would bless you also has the potential to curse you if it's mishandled. Handled. If it's not appreciated, if, if we don't have the right attitude towards it, if we don't have the right perspective, if we don't understand and give gratitude to the one that gave it in the first place, if we're not true worshipers of God and remember that it is He and not me that has brought me to this point, then this could bring a curse into my life. I don't want to bring anything into my life that is going to curse me, but I want to handle the blessings of God in such a way that I can live life and life more abundant and God can continue to bless me and continue to give to me those things that He desires to give me. Can you say praise the Lord? And so they realized that because of the situation with Dagon and the strange diseases that had happened and also because of all of this, the disarray that led to destruction in their cities, they thought, We've got to return this. We've got to do whatever is necessary to get this back in the rightful hands of the Israelites. And how do we get out of this mess that we've made for ourselves? We've created a situation and we've created circumstances that now we're going to have to go back and unwind. We've created by our choice and by our decisions situations that now we're going to have to go back and 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 figure out how to unwind them and and get all of this mess untangled and get this ark of the covenant back into the right hands. I'm going to tell you it's so easy through choices and decisions and things that we decide on our own and determinations that we make on our own without the counsel of God to get ourselves in a mess that is difficult And very arduous for us to unwind and untangle. We can get ourselves in a mess. We can get ourselves so intertwined with the things of this world that are not good for us. That it's very difficult for us to get detached from them. And we take on things that it's difficult for us to get rid of. How many times has people by their own choice, began habits that later they would almost give any amount of money to be able to overcome those habits. They didn't understand with the puff 
of the cigarette. They didn't understand with just one uh, temptation of taking the pill or smoking the joint or drinking the alcohol that it would lead to the addiction that now they they have and they are so intertwined with that it came became such a part of their life that it's difficult for them to overcome and really without the help help of the Lord it's impossible for them to overcome but they in their own way begin to seek for a way and the only thing that they could come up with and God seemed to allow and God seemed to bless, if you will, their efforts to return this ark. It was determined that they would build a wooden cart and they would take two milch kine. These are two cows that have calved and their calves are still nursing. And these cows have never been hitched to a cart. They've never been trained. They've never been harnessed. And you take them and you hitch the cart to them. And you put their calves, their young ones, in the stall. And so the scenario that is created here is against all nature. It's against all of the instincts of these cows. You understand that that this is the young that has been put behind the fence and now they are being harnessed and hitched to a cart that has a strange ornamented box on the back of it and they are turned loose and their instincts if they were following their instincts would be to go back to where their young is because their young are no no doubt calling for them and those calves are are bawling in their stalls if you will and crying out to their mothers and these these two cows that are hitched to the wagon they continue the scripture says in the direction of Israel returning the ark of the Lord to its rightful place going against every instinct every Every part of of nature, leaving their young, crying for them in the stalls. And they're going towards their destination. Going against every inclination that they have. There's things that you must understand about these cows. And that is, first of all, that they've never been harnessed. They've never been tied or hitched to a cart. This is totally and entirely foreign to them. I don't know if you can go back in your mind, but perhaps there's people here today that can identify with this. And perhaps if you're a a saint of God that has been a part of the church for some time, you'll have to go back in your mind for a while. But you, you might remember the first time that you ever stepped into an apostolic church service. The first time you ever felt the presence of God. The first time you ever heard the message of truth preached. The first time you ever heard anything about the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost being for you. The first time that you ever heard anything about Jesus' name baptism. The first time that you were ever preached to about forgiveness and how that God was able to cleanse all of our sins. And that the blood of Jesus is able to wash us completely of them. 
Is anybody remember the first time you ever heard that? Ever first time that you ever experienced the power of God? I know that we come become somewhat familiar with it as we stand in this place today and we worship God so freely. And we enjoy the, the presence of the Lord and we experience the touch of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. If we're not careful, we can become too familiar with it. If we're not careful, we'll forget to thank God for it. But each of us are here because of God's goodness to us. And each of us had a first time that we ever felt the presence of God and the glory of God. And uh, the wonder that, that filled our heart and the experience and how glorious it was. It was almost indescribable. We didn't have words to express how wonderful it was to be in the presence of God. How wonderful it was to stand and feel the glory of the Lord. And oh, what a glorious thing it was to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I remember just recently asking someone, I think it was Sister Yolanda, how do you feel after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time? And uh, she she just uh, was searching for words as she shook her head and she said, there is nothing like it. I've never experienced or felt anything like it in my life. I'm going to tell you, that was all of us. And we should continue to be grateful and appreciative that God is so gracious, that God is so good. And I just want to take a moment this morning and tell you that it doesn't matter how long you've had the Holy Ghost, you can still have that same rich, full experience that you had in God the first time. You can receive it again here this morning in the same joy, the same glory, the same power, the same victory, the same goodness of God that you felt. That gift that impressed you then can impress your heart again and touch you all over and you can feel him just like you did the first time and be renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost again. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful for somebody before you leave this place just be filled in your joy again? Just feel the peace of God pass over your soul again? Just leave here with a bright smile on your face and your countenance changed knowing that God is able to refill me. That God is able to renew me. That God is able to work a fresh work in my life again. It was the psalmist that said in 92 and 10, Oh, I shall be anointed with a fresh oil. I think it'd be fitting that every person in this house be renewed in the Holy Ghost and touched with a fresh oil of His Spirit and God do a work in our heart just like He did the first time. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. This doesn't need to, and it should not ever become stale and stagnant to us. This should never become a thing that is just uh, uh, something that is old and and uh, that is uh, wearisome to us. And we, we don't think of as being a, a glorious experience and a wonderful opportunity and blessing from God. I want to remember that I, amen, don't deserve this. I want to always keep before me the fact that I am nothing without the forgiveness of Almighty God. 
God that I wouldn't stand here today if it wasn't for His mercy. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus that is shed on the cross, I wouldn't have this opportunity to raise my hands. I'd still be condemned in sin. I'd still feel the burden and the weight and the grief of all of the wrongdoing that I have committed in my life. But I've been emancipated from all of that. I've been set free from all of that because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But but sometimes we 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 have to remember that there's folks that have never experienced it. Never ever have they walked this road. Never have they been this way. And there's things, there's things that are asked of them. There's things that they're challenged with. It's a new way of life. There's things that have to be discarded. There's things that have to be reevaluated, reprioritized in our life, if you will. Suddenly, what used to be important is not nearly as important as it once was. We've got new values. We've got a new lifestyle. Whatever you used to do on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday night and other functions suddenly has been replaced and the priority is to come into the presence of God and to worship God. You know, you come into the house of God and you learn. We, we sometimes we sing songs because we're familiar with them and uh, we, we don't necessarily need the words to be up on the screen for us to know where to go next with the song or what the next phrase is going to be but you got to put yourself in the shoes of, of people that are starting out in this journey and beginning on this new road of living for God and new things being asked and they feel when they come to the house of God and this is the way it ought to be being challenged to step up in their commitment, being challenged to step up and, and change some areas of their life, being challenged to higher heights and greater places in God, being challenged to, to forsake their old ways, their old habits, sins, and even disencumber themselves from the weights that are not necessarily sins, but they're not, they're not conducive to me in living for God. They might be an impediment to me. And there are certain things that I, I don't want anything hinder. I don't want anything that's going to lead me into an area. It, it may be a gray area. It may be permissible, but I don't want anything leading me into an area where I would be sinful or I would be tempted. And, and, and to me, if I could just take a few moments and explain this, to me that can be where there's individual convictions and there's personal convictions that come involved that are, that are placed in your life and impressed upon you by the Spirit of God that you have on the inside because He knows you better than you know yourself. 
And he knows, and there's general convictions that we all hold, and the Bible teaches, and there's general principles that we all adhere to, and and there's no room, there's no compromise in those things. But then again, we ought to respect one another's personal convictions. There's some things that I have to, I have to do because uh, this is a personal conviction with me. And this is the where I stand, and this is what I feel, and this is what God has impressed upon my heart, and this is what I have made as a covenant before Him and vowed to Him. And the Bible says uh, that while it 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 uh, making a vow can sometimes be easy for us to do, but keeping that vow is sometimes more challenging. And we have to be willing to understand that uh, while uh, uh, now and further down the road, I may not see as much danger in that as I once did. I have to be very careful about ever going back and destroying that landmark that God has placed in my life because it's there for a reason. I don't want to, I don't want to in any way tear down the things that God has built up in my life or destroy the things that God has worked to build up in my life. I want to keep walking. I want to keep journeying forward. I don't want to be looking back and reevaluating things, but God help me to stand true to the convictions that you have placed in my heart because I want to see you at the end of this journey. I want to, I want to see you, God, amen, and worship you face to face. I want, Lord, to hear you say those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want anything to hinder me in life's journey. I want to make that He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. This was a new road for these cows. They'd never been down this way before. I'm going to tell you, if you're new to Landmark, if you're new to living for God, there's going to be things. Amen. I'll be the first to admit to you, there's more required in this church. And and there's a deeper commitment in this church. That's why you feel the power. That's why you feel the anointing. It's because where there's deeper commitment, where there's deeper consecration, there's heavier anointing. There's more power. There's more glory. Where there's a deeper commitment to God. And you may look around and you may see worship that you don't understand. And you may see folks, uh, amen, uh, that have a deeper level commitment and you, you don't quite grasp it or get a hold of it. Uh, oh, but before you mock it, uh, before you turn a blind eye to it, uh, before you say it's not necessary, realize uh, this is the source uh, of God's power. This is the source uh, of God's anointing and blessing. And if I will adhere to the, the, the consecrations that God is requiring to me or of me I can make it I can make it I can make it in this journey there's going to be new things there's going to be things that you never saw or experienced before along this journey this was a cart that they had never been hitched to this was a road in a way that they had never experienced before And the Bible says that these cows turned neither to the left nor the right. There was something in them that was pulling on them so strong that was stronger than instinct that had been placed in them to defend their young and to be with their young and to care for their young. It's instinctive. It's natural. But there was a higher calling that was pulling on them that was so strong it was pulling them away 
And the Bible says they neither turn to the left nor the right. And on a new road, in a new way, tied to something that they had never been and burdened with something that they had never been burdened with before, they went straight. They didn't deviate. They went straight to, to the land of Israel. They went straight to Bethshemesh. And they didn't, they didn't go one way or the other, but they went the, the, the shortest and the straightest route to, to get there. I'm going to tell you, when God begins to deal with a person, you may not understand it, but you feel that pool of conviction. You feel that tug of the Holy Ghost that is calling you out. That is calling you out of sin. That is calling you out of darkness. That is calling you out of your old lifestyle. Maybe it's pulling you out of carnality and prayerlessness and lack of burden. Maybe it's pulling you up out of a lifestyle of ease and, and lack of consecration. But there's something that's drawing you that you can't explain. And it's pulling you. It's something that's stronger than the instincts that within our flesh that want sometimes to be lazy. They want to lay back and let somebody else give the sacrifice. And let somebody else bring the glory. And let somebody else fulfill the burdens. But there's something down deep within you that says, i got to go. i got to respond. I've got to adhere to a voice that is calling me higher. A voice that is calling me to do something that maybe I've never done before. I don't know what tomorrow's going to happen. I don't know where this is going to lead me. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know one thing. i got something pulling on the inside of my heart that I cannot explain. Hallelujah. Come on, let's cry out to God. Let's cry out to God. Hallelujah. Let's cry out to God right now. It's a way I've never been before. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, it's not the way of the crowd. It's not the way of the multitude. Many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few, it's not crowded going towards the cross few there be that find it something pulling on them something so gravitating they couldn't get away from it something pulling on them that they could not describe it was otherworldly though the calves were calling for them in the stalls Though everything they were familiar with, they were leaving behind. Something was calling them forward. I want to preach to somebody that what you're feeling on the inside is the tug of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God moving upon your heart. The Scripture says that though they didn't turn to the right or to the left they were lowing as they went because there was some type of recognition they were walking to their own sacrifice they would eventually be sacrificed themselves 
they would eventually give all themselves. That cart would be dismembered and used as a fire and an altar. And these cows would be slaughtered and sacrificed on that altar. I'm preaching to somebody what you're feeling on the inside of you. I know you feel conflicted at times. You feel like, man, there's so many different things pulling at me. But you got to let the gravitation of God's Spirit be a whole lot stronger than anything in this world. You got to let the gravitation of God's Spirit be a whole lot more powerful than things of this old world and this life because everything here is temporal. The things of God are eternal, they're going to live forever. And the Bible says they were lowing as they went, they were crying out as they went. It was a part of their flesh that was dying with every step, but they knew this is the will of God. This is the purpose of God. I wonder if there's somebody that can identify with that call. Maybe, maybe it's just not, maybe it's not just somebody that's new to the Lord. Maybe it's God's calling you up to a higher calling and deeper consecration. You've been at ease. You've been comfortable where you are. You've been settled. You've been complacent. You've stayed in the same place and wallowed out the same roads that you've walked and haven't ever thought about blazing a new trail in, in the things of God. Haven't ever thought about pressing the envelope a little bit. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Doing what I've always done. Being what I've always been, but maybe God's saying, I want a little bit more out of your prayer life. Maybe God is saying, I want to use you in a deeper level in the Spirit than I've ever used you before. Perhaps the Lord is calling and saying, come on, step up. This is the last days. This is the end of time. It's time to put it all on the table. Maybe there's been some place in your heart that you've held in reserve and said no no trespassing God you can't go there everything else is yours but there's certain areas and certain things that I'm not going to yield lowing as they went the flesh was conflicting the flesh was saying no the flesh knew there's going to be pain involved flesh knew this is sacrifice the flesh understood where this is all going to end it's going to be the death of me but that's not where the story ends the Bible says there were Israelites that were working in the field with the harvest isn't it amazing that these this happens at harvest time it happens at harvest time. You, you get a revival spirit going. And God always calls us to step up. God always calls for a little more from us. A little more sacrifice. A little bit more. We don't like it. Our flesh. Just like these. We, we, we loathe it. We don't like it. 
It goes against the grain of the flesh. But they look out and they see the Ark of the Covenant on the back of that cart. And they think to themselves, finally, revival. Finally, it's returning. Finally, the glory of the Lord that had departed and been gone for seven months. Seven months may not seem like a long time for you, but you try living seven months without God. You try living seven months without any direction and listlessly in life. And finally, they see it coming back. And the Bible says they lift up their voice in a shout of rejoicing. And there's rejoicing. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be rewards for the sacrifices that are made. Whatever you put on this altar today, there's going to be rewards for it. God's going to bless it. God's going to honor it. God is going to put His approval upon it. But I wonder as we stand here this morning, I wonder if there's somebody that will respond to the call of God. Maybe it goes against logic. It goes against instinct. It goes against fleshly desire. It goes against everything in you. But you'd step out and say, God, if you're calling me to a higher place, if you're calling me to step up in some areas of my life, here I am, God. Here I am. Oh, yes, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to do what is necessary because I want, Lord, more than anything else, I want to make the journey to its completion. I want to get home. I said I want to get to the end. I don't want to stop somewhere along the way. I don't want to turn to the left or to the right. I I don't want to get distracted by some appealing thing along the way but God help me help me to submit it all at the altar help me to give it all at the altar